Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're going to talk about the mood in, uh, in this country. And according to Ipsos, um, in 2021, so last year, see, I can do this. I can do these complex uh, uh, deductive reasoning exercises. According to Ipsos, in 2021, in their year-end polling, most Canadians suggested they were largely okay with their lives and prospects, but food and housing costs rose significantly and are among the greatest concerns of Canadians as far as prosperity is concerned. 32% of us say the coronavirus is one of the greatest issues facing Canada and Canadians. At the same time, climate change skepticism continues to grow. So what does Daryl Bricker, the president and CEO of Ipsos, believe will be the most pressing and salient issues for Canada and Canadians this year and what's in store beyond this year? That's where Daryl's book Next comes in. And I've said this many times, I'll say it again, Next belongs in every home in this country. And it would be a great book for you all to read as a family and, and, and just evaluate, look and see where this country's going. It's an amazing book. Mr. Bricker, how are you? Happy New Year. I'm very well, Roy. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for the kind words. Well, yeah, you're more than welcome. And, you know, I go back and I look at your book and I, I read certain parts of it, sections of it, because I've read it all. And it's so helpful to me in what I do. It also keeps me aware of, of, uh, of, of where we're going as a country. And, and uh, I really appreciate the fact that you wrote it. Daryl, you and your friend John Ibbotson uh, wrote a commentary that appears in the Globe and Mail. The global population is growing older, faster than anyone expected. Canada must be ready. Uh, you talk about population in next as well. Would you break down the essentials for us in, in this in this uh, in this op-ed? What are you What are you saying? Where are we? What's happening? Well, my, one of my favorite quotes of all time is a quote from Mark Twain, and it's uh, you know it, it's not that what uh, you don't know that gets you in trouble; it's what you know for sure that's wrong that gets you into trouble. <laughs> and what most people think about what the future is going to look like relative to the population is basically incorrect. Um, what's happened in Canada? Um, we'll just talk about Canada for a moment. Is that basically re- uh, human reproduction has collapsed. We've just recorded our lowest birth rate in Canadian history last year at 1.4. So uh, typically a birth rate, um, what we call a normal birth rate, is one in which replaces the population that's dying. So it usually has to be uh, 2.1, which is each woman having uh, who is able to have kids in a country having at least 2.1 during her lifetime. We're more than half a kid short. So without immigration... Uh, our population would likely be tipping into a situation where another 30-some-odd countries are in the world today, which is shrinking. But not only is the population shrinking, and I know that people, there's a lot of people, because I hear this commentary all the time, are out there celebrating, well, there's too many people on the face of the planet. This is the, the assumption that is being made here, is that this, the structure of the smaller population is going to be the same as it is today. It will not. It will be much, much older. By 2030, 
everybody, the entire baby boom in the world is going to be 65 years of age or older by 2030 in eight, in eight years. So, yes, the population is going to shrink, but it's also going to be concentrated in the much older groups of the population. And as we get into the mid part of the century, the entire global population is going to start to decline. So that's where we're headed. That's, it really is. A, it's fascinating. And it's concerning at the same time. I mean, if we're if, if this is going on, and it is, um, it, it, it the, many questions are being asked about the future and uh, what the future holds for us. And in uh, in next, you actually talk about the perennials, and mm-hmm. th- those are the the boomers, right? People who are over when you wrote the book at the time over fifty five. Now they've grown a couple of years older. Talk to us about the perennials, please. Well, they've got all the money. And What's wrong with that? Pot- What's wrong with that, Daryl? No, well, it's, it, it is what it is. I don't put a value judgment on it. Okay. As, I, as I say, uh, and that's whenever I'm asked these questions, it's it's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing, but it's an important thing uh, to to just understand that the the older population has all the money. Uh, they overwhelmingly are more likely to vote than the younger population. Yeah. So not they not only control the economic power, they control the political power. And that they're, they're, the size of that group of the population is just going to continue to grow. In fact, the Canadian population is growing, as I said before, as a result of immigration, but also because people uh, aren't dying as fast as they used to. I was just looking at the statistics on this uh, uh, today. So back in the 1920s, the average Canadian lived to the age of 57. Today, the average Canadian lives to the age of 82. Say so that again, please. In the 1920s, the average Canadian lived to the age of 57. Oh, so 100 years ago. Yeah. In, in a century, we've, we've, we've increased human life in Canada by, um, to, to the age of 82, from 57, in almost 30 years. That's amazing. It's incredible. In China, in, in, 20, in, in 1940, the average person in China lived to the age of 40 or 1950, to the age of 40. Today, they live to the age of 78. They've doubled human life in China. That is just, uh, that's staggering. That but we, we don't take this stuff into account, Roy. We, we, yeah, we true. treat the population as though it, it's exactly the same from day to day to day to day. Like the age structure doesn't change, the fertility rates don't change. And all, the worst part about this, Roy, is that all of, all of this information is out there, but for some reason, we don't take it into account. We keep treating everything as though it's a constant, and it's not. The, 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 the global population, the Canadian population, is changing dramatically. It is really, uh, it really is stunning when you think of that. When I actually put the, and I, I, we've talked about this before, so it's not new news to me because you and I have talked about this. But when I hear it again, it is staggering that in such a short period of time, relative to, the, to human history, in such a short period of time, the average life expectancy has been extended by decades. By decades, and continues to go up every year. Now, the interesting thing in terms of life expectancy is even though uh, life expectancy is going up overall, it's going up more for women. So, in fact, as the, the world gets older, the world also becomes more female. So by the, in Canada, just a couple interesting things for your, for your listeners. Every year uh, when babies are born in Canada, there's always more boy babies born than girl babies. Every year. Uh, the ratio is about 104 or 105 to 100. By the time we reach 40, that difference is completely eliminated. And every year after that, there's more women in the Canadian population than men. In the 1970s, there were more uh, uh, men in the Canadian population than women. Today, 
there's more women in the population by, than men, and that gap keeps growing every year. So not only is it um, a, 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 an older population, it's becoming a more female population. So, Daryl, let me ask you then, please, and we'll concentrate on next now, the book, your book. So when it comes to immigration, um, would you talk to us, please, about immigration, where immigrants are coming from, um, where they live, how they will live? I know this is in the book. And and one line, one question was, you know, should we be building uh, more hockey arenas or basketball courts or even cricket pitches? Talk to us about that, please. Yeah, well, until 19, the 1980s, most immigrants to Canada came from, still from the United Kingdom. And that's gone through a tremendous transition over the space of the last 40 years. So now when you take a look at the top five countries that, Canada, that uh, new immigrants to Canada come from, uh, depending on the year that you look at, it's usually India at the top, followed by China or the Philippines. So people are coming from basically Pacific countries. Uh, very different backgrounds from the people who were previously uh, immigrants to this country. We're starting to see an increase of, uh, of immigrants from places like Africa, but not to the same degree as we're seeing from places like, for example, as I said before, India. The people who are coming here are moving overwhelmingly, over 90% to major cities in the country. And when they move to the major cities, they're not moving to the downtowns. They're actually moving to the car commuting suburbs. In fact, uh, over 90% of the population growth in Canada over the last two decades has been in, in, in car commuting suburbs. A lot of this is, is new immigrants coming to the country. And so now there's, a, there's also a chapter in your book, Why Diversity is Not Our Strength. Speak to that, please. Well, this is a lot of change to ask people to go through <laughs> over, over a pretty short period of time. And, and the government, uh, over the space of the last, uh, particularly the last three years, has really started to ramp up immigration. Now, it's one thing, because uh, normally when people talk about immigration in the country, they say, well, you know, it's a really big place and people can spread all over the place. You know, there's a, there's a lot of room to grow. But the truth is, that's not what's happening. As I said before, most of them, most immigrants to the country, over 90%, go to our major, uh, um, major urban areas. So actually, uh, uh, that's having an impact on everything from uh, community services that are being provided to the cost of real estate. Uh, and a little of this is being taken into account because the federal government isn't actually responsible for delivering any of that in the communities that that, uh, that new Canadians are going to. That's, it becomes a provincial and a, and a, uh, and a particularly a municipal responsibility. So uh, there's a lot of pressure on places like, say, for example, the GTA. Um, you know, even in places like Hamilton, you know, lots of people that are moving into these communities, which are, uh, along with other a few other forces, are driving up the cost of real estate. So how are you finding that uh, the issue of immigration is working, uh, dovetailing, working in cooperatively with the issue of um, people who are have been here for decades, for hundreds of years? Is there, is there uh, and I'm getting at the issue of populism here, is there a, a bridging, a further or an increasing bridging of, of cultures or is there, are walls being erected? To this point, it's actually gone pretty smoothly. I mean, if you take a look at everything that's happening in the rest of uh, the developed world that's dealing with immigration, there's a lot more controversy that's associated with, a lo- by the way, a lot less immigration. So, you know, Canada's bringing in 1% or more of its population every year. Right. Places like the United States or, um, or um, 
you know, France, where it's a huge election issue, other countries in Western Europe are actually proportionally bringing in far fewer immigrants uh, to, to their country. So, so far, it's gone pretty well. But we do know that the biggest driver of populism, nativist populism in the world today, is people's reaction to cultural change due to immigration. So it's something that can't be just assumed that you can just open up the spigots as, as wide as you want to uh, to open it and not have a political consequence. There is potential for that. So far in Canada, not, but we'll see how this goes over the longer term. Who becomes the leaders in this country? Well, that's where it gets... That's where it gets really interesting, um, because I think that there's going to be a wide diversity of leadership. But most of the leadership in the country going into the future is increasingly going to be coming from those suburban areas, because they're the population growth areas. We have a representation by population system. So those areas are going to become more important. So, you know, the the greater Toronto area, particularly the suburbs. But as you go further west, we've also got uh, increased immigration and increased population growth, you're going to see those places take on more of a role in Canadian politics. That's why, you know, the old days, you know, where the West wants in, um, when it comes to Canadian politics, federal politics, uh, well, it's not even a question these days of the West wanting in. The West is becoming more and more of a presence in our national politics, mainly because of population growth and, and redistribution of population. Okay. Now we talked about you talked about the, uh, I think I think the most um, privileged, uh, advan- advantageous time to be born or live in, uh, you know, generationally, was uh, was the baby boomers, and uh, so now the baby boomers. I think you said by twenty thirty, the youngest baby boomer is going to be sixty five. Correct. Correct. So I would probably get challenged here by listeners if I don't ask you this question: What happens with the millennials? There's an entirely different generation facing an entirely different reality. And what what are they dealing with now? What's their future look like? Uh, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, basically, the baby boomers got all the best jobs. They've got all the best pensions. They've got all the best real estate. They've got all the investments. They hold on, They hold the power in the country. And millennials have really struggled. To, to launch and to start their lives. So one thing, for example, you can, and this is one of the effects that we're seeing in terms of declining fertility. Uh, millennials uh, have really, really low birth rates. Why? Because they have big educations. They have big educational debt. Um, they're not, if they're getting married at all, they're not doing it till they're in their uh, late 20s, more, more likely in their early 30s. And they're not really starting their families until they get into the, their, their lower to mid-30s. So they're having smaller, uh, smaller families. All of this is a product of the fact that the sort of grinding reality, economic realities that, 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 that face millennials. So uh, what the effect of that is, 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 as I said before, the only way our population grows is due to immigration, mainly because the millennial population, which should be part of the population, is driving um, a population growth in this country, just isn't. So a very different country and a de- very different world in the next uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, yes? Yeah, and I think we've got to start getting ready for it. That's what uh, John Edison and I were writing about in the Golden Mill. Yeah. I mean, uh, two, two, 2030 is the decade in which all of the baby boom is going to be going uh, through some form of work transition. And by the 2040s, it's going to be the last decade of the baby boom when okay. they leave this mortal coil. And that's when the population is going to start to decline. And how far it down it goes, nobody knows. Okay. I don't like hearing that. I'm a boomer, so. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> if you want to hear more, 
Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.